Welcome to the Ideal Investor Show. This is the podcast where we help you challenge your mindset and discover where you are. Tired of stories about other people's success? We can help you change your life, determine your time freedom point and join us on the journey to financial success. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Ideal Investor Show, where we continue the odyssey of discovery of how can we actually learn and expand our horizons in the context of investing and especially of real estate investing as we do it as ideal wealth growers on our journey towards the time freedom point and beyond. And today's episode, I want to focus on how did we ever come up with this idea of value investing? What is it? What do we mean by it? What do I mean by it? And how do I see it? And I'm not saying this is necessarily the way it should be done. It's not necessarily by some kind of like external definition that we're just following. It is basically what I believe to be the right thing. And you can find other interpretations, but I think the fundamental approach is very similar. And one of the core things, how I came up with my philosophy and, and perspective and principles of value investing starts with the asset itself. And there is a very important component of who is actually in control of the asset. So when you think about one of the first things when we speak about value, what has value that comes to mind is money. And so when you look at it, money is basically nowadays in almost all countries around the world, a piece of paper, a colorful piece of paper with a number on it that the people that use it believe to have the value of whatever that number is, a $10 bill or a $20 bill or a 50 euro bill or a 100 pesos bill or whatever the piece of paper says that the currency is and the amount that is printed on it. But the piece of paper, if you really think about it, is worth maybe a few pennies or fractions of a penny. So the value comes from the belief in the system that you can exchange one piece of paper against, for example, a loaf of bread or something you buy in the store or a service you get on the internet or things like that. That piece of paper's actual underlying value is a small, tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what's printed on the paper. Now, when I speak of value assets and value investing, it is a vastly different thing. And it starts with one example that kind of got ingrained in me very early on. And that is the value of something that is rare and the value of something that cannot really be fundamentally destroyed. So something that is rare and that humanity has always considered to be of value is gold. So having gold, especially, which I highly recommend, and we will talk about it in other episodes and have talked about it in many articles and otherwise, is to have a certain amount of your assets, meaning a certain amount of your savings and the, the stuff, the valuable things that you have in the form of gold coins. And I have written and, and spoken about why coins. In a short nutshell, it is just that the coins, each coin has an increasing amount of value, especially when you have really nice coins. But the other benefit of having the gold in the form of coins is that you have the pure value of the gold itself plus 
if the coins are an artistic expression, so those coins also have a collector's value. It's not that we speculate on the collector's value, but it is obviously something that increases the value of purely the gold that is in the coins itself. Besides the fact that you can have a good number of coins in your house in a safe and nobody really has control over it other than yourself. And you will see and have probably seen in all the things that I talk about, write about, speak about, do videos about is how do we maintain control over our assets? The other one that was very, very early instilled in me, but I always thought it would be super, super hard for me to ever have access to it is basically real estate. And if you think about it, I'm originally from Germany. And so one of the very fundamental things that were taught in Germany in school was all the history from starting of the basically 19th and uh, 20th century, but mainly the start of the 19th century that ultimately led to World War I and World War II. And to me, one of the really, really fascinating things in the context of value and value assets has always been that phase in 1948 and thereabouts when Germany was completely destroyed and basically lost World War II and then the question was, well, how does this country start again? And the decision was made by the new government that every person, every citizen of Germany would get somewhere what considered 45, 48 German marks, the new German mark. It doesn't exist anymore today, but that was the currency. And everybody got an equal amount issued by the government. Now, you would say if everybody starts with the same amount of money, do they all have the same opportunity? And the answer is no. And the answer is no because certain things of value retained their value way beyond those 45 or 48 German marks. And what I'm speaking about is real estate. And there are obviously, after a war, two situations for real estate. You have as always, 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 always is the land, the ground that any property or, or house or factory or stuff is built on. And there is only so much. If you go on the global scale, if you go on the national scale, if you go on the city scale, every piece of usable land is a limited resource. And so people who and families who owned pieces of land in Germany right after World War II, still had the value of that land in their ownership and they could borrow against it. So even though they only got 45 German marks, new German marks, they still had the ownership, a piece of paper like what we call a title or a deed that says, I own this piece of property. So they could go to one of the new banks and say, I want to borrow against it. And they got way, way, way more money than those 45 or 48 new German marks. And with this money, they could support the rebuilding and the growth of a new economy. Now, if they were lucky and any building that they owned on that piece of land was not totally destroyed, so it could be used for housing or for putting companies in and restaurants in or factories in, that was even better because now that piece of land could also be productive. And the price that you could get for either running a factory or renting out apartments or stuff like that was obviously a matter of supply and demand. And some of the people who were lucky enough to live in places that had the land and non-destroyed houses on it made really, really amazing income and really were able to start 
what is called the economic miracle of Germany after World War II between about 1950 and 1970. So all the people who were lucky enough to be in families that had value assets, because you cannot ever really completely destroy the value of a piece of land and the value of a property, even if the property is partially destroyed, those people made out the best. And that really stuck in my memory, in my conscience. And so through many, many iterations and people initially making me believe that investing in life insurance policies and annuities and the stock market, when I compare it to things like gold coins or residential or commercial real estate, at least at the early times in Germany, it's just not the same thing, mainly because you don't have control. If you own stock in any company, even in the best company in the world, let's say that best company in the world was the absolute unequivocal market leader in cameras named Kodak. You all know now being in 2023 and at the verge to 2024, that Kodak really in its original thing, you have to kind of go to the history books to find out what was Kodak. But for most of my lifetime, they were the unequivocal leader in cameras and films, especially the ones that we use in vacation and stuff on a daily basis. And they disappeared, even though this is the crazy part, they invented the digital camera. And they didn't believe into it. And so they didn't develop the majority of the market for digital cameras. And then when the smartphone came out and the digital cameras were integrated, they were basically done. The company is basically done and doesn't really have any kind of meaningful market value anymore. So that's something that you, if you had owned the stock from like, let's say when I was born as a baby boomer, all the way through until it filed bankruptcy, and you never sold it, you basically lost everything that you put in and never really had any control of what the company is doing. You had no control over when they invented the digital camera. You had no control over when they decided not to pursue it. You had no control over when they could see the writing on the wall and still didn't pursue it. And ultimately, you had no control over them filing for bankruptcy. If you, on the other hand, had a piece of land with a house on it or a factory on it, there is always value, even if what is it is used for is no longer there. And that goes back to the example of World War II, lots and lots of places in Germany being destroyed through bombings. But those who owned land and those who owned houses still had the inherent value and could rebuild from a completely different position. Now, I'm not advocating to say there will be a war and our assets will be destroyed. I wanted to give you a little bit of an understanding what is a value asset. And to me, in my definition and what I'm basically proposing to all the members of our community is see a value asset as something that is always of some value, maybe not its original value, but will always, always have some value and never be able to go to zero. And you have as much control as possible over it. The only scenario where your control over a real estate asset would ever be going away is if our systems in the Western world were ch to change into some utopian scenario where the government owns everything and the people that live in any location don't own anything anymore. So if the government were to take away your ownership, 
On the other hand, that is probably one of the most foundational financial tenets of our existence. When that happens, I think we have way more other problems than worrying about value assets and money. But until or unless that happens, which I think is very, very, very unlikely, value assets like real estate and land and gold coins and things like that will always have value. And that's why we're focusing our investing on it. So if you want to join us in accumulating assets that have that kind of value and that obviously retain their value over generations, so we're not just getting them for ourselves and keep them for ourselves and benefit from the, from the performance of the assets, but you create generational wealth because those forever valuable assets can be handed over to your kids and their kids and their kids and so forth. So that's the whole story of the Odyssey to value asset investing. What is a value asset and why should we have it? And why would I like to invite you to join us in this Odyssey, in this quest on the journey to the time freedom point? So if that sounds resonating to you or interesting to you and you want to learn more, maybe even join our community, I'd like to invite you to go to idealinvestorshow.com Hit the button there, set up a call, and let's talk about it. Let's see if we have a good connection. If you like what we're doing, you hear, obviously, in our daily episodes a little bit, who I am, what I do, what I believe, but it's still different than talking one-on-one, so I would love to do that with you when you're ready. Until then, be well, stay safe.